Hey, this is Pastor Rafael Rodriguez. Welcome to Restore 2020 Podcast. Go ahead and choose a message. Be empowered, be equipped, be prepared to change your world for Christ Jesus. God bless you. Good morning, hungry for God's word, people. Good morning, Restore 2020 Podcast and Restore 2020 YouTube channel. Good afternoon for those of you who are in the Central or the United States region. We are in the afternoon. For those who are watching from other countries, we are, it's morning over there, so good, good morning to you. I'm upstairs in the hangar again, and you know, this time I got the background, we got the hangar playing, we got Jesus here having a cup of coffee. So this is, we back up in the hangar. There's a lot of history here. This is where we do our uh, children's ministry, and my wife had mentioned in her particular YouTube channel and Facebook channel that uh, this is the place where we spend a lot of time in prayer. She does a lot of time praying and seeking God's face for the children's ministry. We are the children's pastors here at Bethel Temple in Cleburne. Uh, we were, as I mentioned last week, we are transitioning, and you saw the post on Hungry for God's Word Facebook page is on there that we are transitioning. Uh, we are going to be lead pastors at a church in Florida. And so, uh, but this is the place where we did our kids' ministry. We still have one more Sunday here left. So, uh, but even after we transition out, I want to invite you to come and be a part of Bethel Temple in Cleveland, be a part of the children's ministry, the youth ministry, and all the ministries here. If you are in a nearby area, if you live in the, in the vicinity, in the you know, South Fort Worth area, come be a part of Bethel Temple in Cleveland. Great children's ministry, great youth ministry, great church in general. Uh, we have one more week left. We'll be here next Sunday. And I may not be up here doing Hungry for God's Word. I may be doing it from the back of a, of a moving truck. I don't know. We'll be loading the truck. Um, that Sunday, next Sunday, or I may be doing it from somewhere else. But today, I'm going to be recording live here, upstairs in the hangar, toward the BT Kids area at Bethel Temple in Cleburne. And so last week, I talked about something very important. I'm going to uh, switch over real fast because I have a light on that's really bugging me right now. So give me a minute to kind of switch it um, so I can get this light off my face. All right, and so. Last week I was up here and I talked about, we started at the beginning of the book of Judges and I talked about various things in the book of Judges. And I talked about the rebelliousness of the nation of Israel and how they suffered the consequences as a result of their rebellion. How they suffered the consequences because they chose to step away from God. I talked about how the generation before, they saw the miracles. They saw what Moses did, they saw what uh, Joshua did, and they saw the great things happen, and, and they served the Lord, and they, they had fear for the Lord, and they worshiped him. But the generation after them, they acknowledged God. And because they didn't acknowledge God, they suffered the consequences, and they had to go through some several, several battles, and they had to go through some turmoil, and challenges, and difficulties, and man, what a humbling process it was for them. And uh, they started worshiping the Asherah and the Baals, and all that, as their God, and started taking the, uh, the gods of the four nations around them, being influenced by the people around them. And I challenge you guys who are watching, be careful who you're spending time with. And I also challenge you who are watching not to get involved in any kind of darkness like mediums and going to palm readers and stuff like that because you're opening yourself up to a whole different pl a place that you don't need to be. You're opening yourself to spiritual attacks and spiritual darkness that you don't need to be a part of because that can really hinder your relationship with God and it can cause some destruction in your life. And we saw that when we looked at the book of Judges last week when we talked about, when I talked about um, how the nations rebelled. And I talked about our Judges 3 and 4, and I, and, I, and I encourage you people to really put the Lord first in their life. And I challenge us how the generation of today um, and their colleges and their universities, 
they're getting bombarded with all kinds of, you know, you can do with your own thing. You can be your own God. You can be this, this narcissistic mentality that they have, and they're the ones that are causing all the static in our nation right now with the rioting and all this stuff because they've been given this opportunity to kind of say that you're your own God. They've been told, been um, kind of brainwashed in a sense, told them that they, they, they are responsible for their, their own life and they can do whatever they want, and as a result of that, they are rebelling. And I also challenge the parents that you give, you know, from their childhood, when they're kids in kids' ministry, you give the choice to your child whether they, they want to come upstairs or not, or be a part of children's ministry. And what you're doing is you're creating this habit of whether they want to come to church. And when they get to their adult years, then you wonder why they start falling away from the Lord, because from childhood, you gave them a choice to come to church. And they shouldn't have a choice. They should be encouraged to come be a part of the children's ministry. Oh, but we have them in adult service, and they're learning from there. That's true. They can learn the word of God from there. But it's a whole different level, way above their head, where it's going to kind of go over their heads. And I want to, I want to bring up something. Have you ever had a situation when you try to tell your kid to do something, they're on their phones, right? And you tell them it's time for dinner. How many times do you have to repeat yourself so that kid could start to get off their iPads? Probably several times. Maybe some of your parents, you have it figured out, you have a way of doing it, and you tell them once, and they obey, and they put it down, and they get back, they get up, wash their hands, and go to dinner. But whenever you have to tell them, most parents, you have to tell them several times, get off the iPad, get off the iPhone, and come wash your hands and eat dinner, and you gotta constantly tell them that because they're so focused on the device in front of them. And whenever we allow the kids to go into adult service and they're not into it and I start throwing a fit and they're not paying attention, we give them the device and they start zeroing in on that, how much do you think of, of, um, they're paying attention to the message ahead of them? How much do you think they focus on what's going on right in front of them if their mind is on the screen itself? And so if you realize that every time you tell them to get off the screen, you have to say it several times, that tells me that when they're on their devices, they're not listening to the message that's right in front of them. They're not listening to the message that's there. And so giving them a choice to go to, not go to children's church, where they could be engaged with other kids and do some activity to keep them focused and, and keep them engaged, okay? We are setting them up for where they don't even want to desire to be a part of church and hear the word of God. And then therefore, when they get older, they start rebelling against the Lord because they go into universities where they're bombarded with other stuff. And they don't have the spiritual maturity or the spiritual foundation that they need to go into the real world and, and, and be a man or woman of God when it's time for them to do that. And so I, I challenged you guys last week, watch out that you don't allow your kids, don't give them a choice, get, encourage them to be in the children's ministry so they can, raise, they can be raised up in the ways of the Lord. This morning we had uh, grandparents come and they brought their kids upstairs and one of the grandparents whispered in my ear, I heard the sound, I heard the music in the back, she whispered in my ear, she said these kids had never been to church before and we're here to just uh, kind of monitor and see how they're doing and get them adjusted, but they've never been to church before and they didn't want to come today, but we asked them to come and we, we challenged them to come and so they're up here today. You know what, that's the start. They made a start. They started something new that was different from them uh, that they haven't experienced before, but they were up here engaging with them. They were up here encouraging them to be a part of the children's ministry. And for me, that's a, that's a start. That's a great foundation. And that's a great way about doing things because you're challenging your grandkid, your child, to get involved in the kids' ministry, to start learning about God so they can have a love for God and a hunger for God's word. And so here we are in Hungry for God's Word. And today I'm talking about the enemy's oppression. And we'll be going out, out of Judges chapter 6, and I'm going to be talking about the life of Gideon. 
I'm going to be reading and kind of going in between, pausing in between the verses and sharing with you uh, some thoughts that I have looked at and saw as I began to study this passage of scripture. And um, honestly, I had so much fun last week. I couldn't. I was so excited. I couldn't wait for us to meet again today. And next week, we'll see if I'll record from the back of the truck or somewhere different. But it won't be up here. It'll be somewhere, somewhere else because next week will be our last, last Sunday here. And so I'll be kind of packing up the truck and doing something else that we could, I could probably meet you on the road somewhere or wherever it may be. I'm planning to do something next week, but it's not going to be the same as it is, has been the last two weeks, okay? So here we are, Judges chapter 6. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to, with me to, page, to Judges chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 22. I'm going to be reading out of the New, Levin, New Levin, Living Translation. I had a hard time speaking today. New Living Translation. That's the translation I'm looking at. My weapon of choice is the New Living Translation. Okay? Here it goes. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 says this. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midians for seven years. Here we go again. We just talked about last week how much the Israelites did evil in the Lord's eyes. And here we see it again that the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And so he, the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Seven long years. They did evil in his sight, meaning that they didn't want nothing to do with him. And not because he was mad because they chose to, to distance himself, themselves from him. They chose not to live for him. They chose to not want him. They chose to go and turn their backs on him. And so that's the reason why he just handed them over to the Midianites for seven long years. And here's what began to happen. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites, Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. They had to make hiding places for themselves. So they, they went to the mountain in the strongholds and caves and began to hide because the Israelites, the Midianites were so evil and so destructive they had to hide from the enemy. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the Civil War. Reminds me when the battle between the North and the South. And I was a history teacher, and so I know a little bit of the background of the story. And what happened was that something it got so bad when it began to bomb in the South in certain area, people had to hide and live within the caves so that they don't get hurt. It even goes back to the American Revolution, okay? They had to hide out in caves so that they don't get destroyed in the midst of the war zone. And so here's what's going on with the people of Israel and, and, and the Midianites. They were this fierce attacking them and so evil and, 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 and so hate, hate, so much hatred that they had to, and had so much, they were so cruel, they had to make hiding places for themselves in mountain caves and strongholds. Imagine that. Imagine being the kind of people where you were able to walk around wherever you wanted to go. You had the power, you had the, 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 the favor of God. And you were taking over different uh, territories. You were taking over different different countries and different lands, and you were able to destroy all these people that you had to battle with, imagine being that, and all of a sudden, you succumb to the place where you have to go in hiding because the Lord has turned you over to the enemies because of your rebellion. And the Bible talks about a God is a jealous God. It's not the same type of jealousy that we have, that I'm envious of something that you have, and I'm jealous of you because you have a great ministry, or I'm jealous of you because you have a new car, and this and that and the other. No, the, love, the jealousy of God has to do with his love for us, and how he wants to have an intimate relationship with us, and how we, if we put something before him, 
that, you know, he's jealous for us because he wants us to be closer to him. He wants us to put him first in our lives. And so here, they chose to say, we don't want nothing to do with God. And God said, all right. He handed them over to their enemies for seven years. And here's a nation that used to be in freedom, used to be the most powerful nation in the history of the Bible in that time. Okay, used to be that nation, and they're coming, and they have to hide indoors. And it kind of reminds me of the United States of America. Here we are in the United States of America. We're still known as the most powerful nation in the world. Now, some of us may believe that that's not true. Not anymore. And we look at the situations around us, and we used to have favor over our enemies, but we were able to defeat so many of our enemies. We were able to become allies with other nations that were battling with other countries. We were able to come to their aid and come to their rescue, and sometimes even digging ourselves and digging our own grave in the midst of that because we've got a lot of enemies as a result of that. But we were the kind of country that we were powerful enough to join forces with another country and begin to, call, and begin to fight with them and have victory over that and having so much more victory. But what happens is, when we have a lot of victory, we have a lot of things going for us, we begin to forget who was the one that was with us the whole time. And we begin to forget that it was the Lord who was with us the whole entire time, who's given us favor, because when we put him first, he blesses us, he does amazing things with us and through us, because we put him first. And so, as a nation, we begin to turn our back against God, and here we are facing a global pandemic, and we are like hiding out. We allowed the government to shut down every one of our places of worship, and we told, they, they told us that we couldn't go out for several weeks, and we're hiding out within this um, in our homes because we have an enemy who we can't see, and that's the pandemic. That's the, that's the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and because of that, we are in you know, a, a country that used to be so have freedom and used to do whatever we want, and we were in God's favor, God's blessing, and have all these great things, and we were powerful, and we were moving forward, and we're the kind of people that we are motivators and shakers and movers, and here comes this enemy we, we, we can't see. It's not like a, like a regular wall that we can see the enemy on the other side, or who we're fighting against. We're fighting against this global pandemic, and we're having to shut our churches down, shut down all this stuff, and be put behind doors, and people are living in fear, and this is the situation that we're going through right now. And so like the people of Israel, we need to turn our backs to God. We need to turn our hearts back to God. We need to go right back to him, repent, get right with him as a country, and ask him for forgiveness and ask him for help so that we can get out of this situation. Because as long as we continue to be stuck where we are, as long as we continue to not acknowledge him, as long as we continue to, uh, rather than coming to him and turn our backs against him and curse him and, and blame him for everything, we're going to continue to be in the same situation we're in right now. And, and it's going to get worse. And yes, we are, this is part of the last day. We are seeing evidence in uh, parts of the last day, but I still think that we have a way, somewhat of a way to go before we see the whole thing come to pass, okay? But we are in the midst of that, and what we should be doing is we should be repenting and get right with, right with God and asking God to help us because we're in a situation that we cannot do for ourselves. This is not a battle we can fight on our own. We need, a, we need the Lord on our side. We need the Lord on our side for us to get over this situation. Now, many of you who are watching this, you're part of a local church, and probably your local church, you're not able to meet together in the building because you have certain restrictions that were given to you by the government. And we want to honor our government, yes, because the Bible talks about in the Book of Romans that we should, those who are over us, we should give our honor to them, we should obey them, we should listen to them, but at the same time, if they're telling us that we cannot practice our First Amendment rights to go in a place of worship, and they tell us not to go and not to be able to do that and go against the Word of God, that we should put God first in our life, we should worship together, then we have to be able to say, wait a minute, 
enough is enough. Practice your social distancing. Put the systems in place that you are given to do, that the many cities and states have been mandated to do, do that, but at the same time, don't allow those situations keep you from meeting together in fellowship. It's great to have online services, and some of you guys have it all figured out, you got a good thing going, but it's much more better to be in person and to fellowship with one another and to bless each other, each other with words of encouragement and words of love and be there for each other because there's nothing like that. You cannot replicate that over the internet. There's nothing like coming together in a community because we are created to love and care for one another. That's how God wired us, and we should be doing that. There's nothing better than being in, together in church. Now, if you have health issues, then stay home. I, I, protect yourself. Be careful and, and, and watch service online. I'm not saying you have to be at church if you have health issues, but if there's, if there's nothing other than that, if you are just not wanting to come to church because you got so comfortable in your pajamas and watching services online, I'm going to challenge you. Get back in church and be part of the, of the ministry be part of the with fellowshipping with the children of God so that you can overcome the battle that you're faced with. Because you cannot overcome on your own. We need each other. And I thank God that we are able to have our services and we have our social distancing. We have tape on the floor to separate the chairs and keep a good space for them with kids. We're doing it with kids, by the way, and keeping a good space in between that we are able to walk around and encourage one another and be here in person and worshiping God together because that is important. And I'm glad that we are able to do that. And if you have yet to do that, try harder to get back together in the place of worship and worship the Lord God together as a community. I don't care what pastor who is famous who decide that they're not going to have their services until January doesn't mean that the rest of us should be doing the same thing. That's a matter of opinion, and he chose to do that, and I'm not going to say the name. You know who that is. He chose to make that decision on his own for his church, but it doesn't mean that the rest of the church has to follow that because he is not the Lord. He is not the Savior. He's not the King of the Kings, and he don't speak for the rest of the churches, the Capital C Church. You have to make a decision whether you're going to meet together or not. And I believe if when you do, when you make a decision to do so, God's going to bless you. God to do something amazing, but practice the social distancing and put on the safeguards in place to protect each other from getting this sickness. But it's important to be there. And so they, they, they were hiding. And that's like us. We, we behind closed doors. We shut our doors. We, we are fearful right now because we are, you know, we, we worried about this pandemic. We worried about what's going on around us. And so we are in, kind of hiding in our in the places in our homes, like caves and mountains almost, and being in, in, in sh a shut in and, and staying indoors because of what's going on around us. And the only thing that's happening around us is because of all the craziness that we uh, have done as a nation, all the stuff that we got ourselves involved in, and not including God in all the situation. We are faced with much more difficulty. Yes, things happen. Yes, God allowed things to happen for a reason, but what if instead of going against God, we come towards God, we ask, we repent, we seek his face. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people will humble themselves and pray, then I will heal, I will hear their prayers and heal the land, right? Heal the land. That's what we should be doing as a church, capital C church. Verse 3 says this, whenever the Israelites planted a crop, martyrs from Midian, Amalek and people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemies' hordes came, came coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. 
They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. I'm going to pause right there. They were like swarms of locusts. There were so many of the Midianites that they could not count the amount of people that were coming at them. They were suffering so much that they were in a place where they were reduced to starvation by, by the Midianites. And what happened in the latter part of verse 6, it says the Israelites cried out to, to, to the Lord for help. What do you think happened? What do you think happened after that, whenever they cried out to the Lord for help? Did God say, forget you. I turned you over to the Midianites for seven years, and you're done. I'm, I'm done with you. You, you, you chose to walk away from me. That's the God that we serve. No, we serve a God who is merciful. We serve a God who is gracious. We serve a God who is loving. And whenever we cry out to him for help, he hears our prayer. He hears us, and he's going to come to our rescue. So we go to verse number 7. It says, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. They sent the prophet and explained to them the reason why all that stuff began to happen. And that's the reason why it happened because they chose. They chose to disobey God. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He rescued them from the Egyptians and from the oppression. He drove their, out their enemies and gave their land to them. And the Lord gave them a specific instruction. It says, I am the Lord, and, and you must not worship the gods of the Amorites in those lands you now live, but you have not listened to me. He's told them why the situation, why they were facing the situation they were in. He made it clear to them. Because he gave them an instruction. Do not follow the gods of the Amorites, but they did not listen to him. And here they are on a crossroads. But verse 11, I would love it what it says here. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joas of the clan of Abir, advisor, advisor. So here we go. The prophet goes and speaks to the nation of Israel. But then the angel of the Lord comes and sits by this tree, okay, and uh, that belonged to Joas of the clan of Abizar. And Gideon, son of Joas, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain for the Midianites. Okay? So he is threshing wheat on the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain for the Midianites. Forget, they stripped them of everything. They were going through a time of starvation. And Gideon, they had to figure out a way to hide what they had from the enemies because eventually the Midianites were going to come and take that as well. And here's where the angel of the Lord shows up. And he says this. Verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Wait a minute. He called Gideon a mighty hero. Now if we remember, Gideon was the same person that whenever God told him to do something, what did he say to the Lord? Let me take out my fleece, and if the fleece is dry, then I'll, I'll listen to you. And then he said it again. Let me take out the fleece and lay it before the Lord. If it's wet, then I know that you're speaking to me. But here the Lord says to him, he calls to him, he says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Because God don't see us the way we do. God don't see us the way that other people see us. He sees us differently. And what he saw in Gideon, he prophesied, he spoke over him. He called them what, as he was created to be, a mighty hero. He said, mighty hero, I am here with you. 
I'm listening to you. I have heard what you are have been crying out to me about. I, I've been listening to the cries of the people and mighty hero. He saw him as he sees us, as the apple of his eye, as his children. He called out to him, even though they, 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 they turned their backs against God, even though they were serving other God, God comes to Gideon and says, mighty hero. He called him as he sees him and as he is to be. He spoke over, that, over him and he says, I am here listening to you. I'm with you. But here's God giving a response. He says this, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And, there, and, and where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Gideon did not recognize who that was. Gideon was just listening to everybody else around him. And here's the deal. When you are at a church, we are called to be different. When we are at a church, we are called to listen to the Lord when he said in our word, in the word. We are called to listen, and not only listen, but to believe and to have faith what God has said, the spoken word of God. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. But what happened with Gideon was he was listening to everybody else around him. And he said, what happened to all the miracles that our family was talking about? What happened to the times that you rescued us from the hands of the Egyptians? What happened to all this stuff? We're not seeing it. We heard about it, but we're not seeing it. And he's allowing everybody else around him to tell them what they what their opinions are and how they see things. And he's also oppressed by that because everybody else is speaking around him. I'm going to tell you something real quick. If you're not surrounding yourself with people of faith, and you're surrounding yourself with people who are stuck in, 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 in the situation and stuck with what they see with their, with their natural eyes, but they cannot believe beyond that, get away from those people. Go find some people of faith to be a part of your life so they can encourage you, so they can call out and see what God saw and get in and see that in you and say, mighty warrior, mighty princess, mighty, mighty woman of God, mighty man of God, the Lord is listening to you. The Lord is with you. The problem is whenever we surround ourselves with people who don't have faith, we begin to start thinking like them. We start, we start acting like them. We start um, walking like them. And we begin to kind of distance ourselves from what the Word of God says. We begin to distance ourselves. We begin to hide out, you know, kind of get further and further away from the ways of the Lord and our faith in God because we are allowing the culture around us to teach us otherwise. And if you're spending so much more time watching CNN, watching Fox News, watching N N NSBC, watching ABC, and all these news channels, and more than you spend time in the Word of God, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to start believing what they're saying because you're spending too much time listening to them rather than seeking God's face and reading His Word and standing at the Word because His Word is not only the Word of God spoken, but the living Word of God that came with Jesus Christ, and His Word is still alive to this day, still very powerful to this day, and the most books that are written are based on what the scriptures have say, and they use those principles there, and they write these books, and his word is still alive and powerful today, but if you're flooding your head with all this talk radio stuff and everything else, and there's news around you, you're going to start believing what they are saying, rather than what God has already said. And what happens when I try to challenge people most of the time, whenever I speak, I challenge people, I say to them, remember what God has done for you in the past. When you're going through a situation, count the blessings, remember that. Set up reminders so that you know that God has showed up in times past. God has revealed himself in your situation. And when you find yourself in a crisis, when you find yourself in a corrupt situation, 
Remind yourself of what God has done in that situation so that you can have faith and trust him and continue walking with him. And the problem is, many of you guys who are not going to church live, who are not going to church with everybody else in person and staying home and watching it from service, rather than watching the service, you're also watching all these news channels and you get your head filled up with that and now you're not even believing what the Lord's going to do. Now you're starting to listen to what the world is saying and you have your faith based on that and you don't even have your faith and trust in the Lord no more and it's getting to, get, it's getting to you. It's influencing you. And here you have the angel of God show up to Gideon, and he's so messed up in, his, in what the world was saying and everybody else around him that he could not even recognize the angel of God. And I'm trying to get you to listen and understand and be careful that you don't get so far away from the ways of the Lord and things of the Lord that when he speaks to you, when he reveals himself to you, that you don't even recognize him more because you're so busy thinking about what everybody else is saying and, and, and doing what they're doing and following their ways rather than God's way, and you don't even recognize him when he shows up. And that's exactly what happened to Gideon. He did not even recognize the angel of the Lord, and he did not believe what he said. He called him mighty warrior. Man, what an honor that would be to be called a mighty warrior. Praise God, I'm a mighty warrior. He called me to be a mighty warrior, and he said he didn't even believe him. He didn't even believe him. Verse 14 says this, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have, and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. He called him right there. That's his calling. He said, Go with the strength he has. Wait a minute. He has been given strength. The man is a warrior. The man has strength. He said, go with the strength you have, and I am sending you. He called him. How many people wonder whether they're called to do something from God? And here you have a man who has, has the angel of the Lord face to face, and hears an audible voice telling him, I am sending you. Go with the strength that you have. And I know so many of us would love that encounter with God, right? See God face to face. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, what it is to see the face of God, okay? And see God face to face and hear him very specifically that what he's calling us to do. We wonder why we don't have those encounters now and say, Lord, why don't you call us like you did with Gideon and other people where you came face to face and they heard a voice telling them what they had to do. I need that in my life. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm guaranteed that most of us already know what God called us to do, but just not willing to step out and do it. Because we're so concerned about what everybody else around us, we start looking at the situations and the circumstances and all the challenges, and we start looking at that, and we begin to question whether God has put that in our heart in the first place, and then so we don't end up doing it because we don't want to hear an audible voice, and yet God has been really speaking to us, He really spoken to us. And, and since our childhood, he really brought us up in that way. He began to show us revelation and spoke to us many times in, in many ways. And yet when we just don't hear our audible voice from the Lord because we're so wrapped up in the culture around us, we start wondering whether God said that to us or not. And just last week, we announced that we're going to be taking on church in Florida as lead pastors. And in the post that I posted on my particular website, on my Facebook page, I said this. Why now with all this craziness around us? And my response was, why not? Why not? And I put the scripture there saying, his ways are higher than our way. We may not understand what, what, what God is saying, and we need to trust and believe and have faith, but if he called us to do something, we cannot wait to the perfect time. We're going to wait for God's timing, and we're going to step out in faith and believe that he's going to show up because we trust him at his word. 
We don't want to look at the circumstances around us. I don't want to flood my head with a bunch of stuff on TV and, and all this news that is coming on there and begin to think that and allow that to shape me and mold me and my relationship with God. I don't want to do that. I want to base my, my relationship. I want to base my understanding. I want to base all the situations on the Word of God and stand firm in that and believe that He will come to pass. He has done it so many times. He has rescued the people of God so many times, and He will rescue us as well as long as we seek Him. And we're going to back up for a minute where we get started, where the people said they cried out to God. This all happened as a result of the Israelites in verse 6, the latter part of verse 6. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. That's when he began to send his prophet, and that's when he began to come himself. The angel of God came and revealed himself to Gideon. It was after they humbled themselves and repented that God began to come and start calling people into action. And so I want to tell you guys right now, people of America, repent first. Check where you are with your relationship with God. We bring that before Him. Ask God for, for, for help. Ask, ask God for forgiveness. Humble yourself before Him, okay? Cry out to Him for help. And when He begins to show Himself, respond. When He begins to show Himself, respond in obedience. But first, you have to repent. First, you have to humble yourself and then expect him to come and rescue you out of your situation. But if you expect it to be rescued when you are prideful, when you, you expect to be rescued when you are arrogant, when you expect to be rescued when you are still battling in your own sinfulness, in your own way of thinking, and you expect him to rescue you, and rather than being humble before the Lord, your heart is getting hardened, and you get angry towards God, and you get bitter to God, towards God, you, I want to tell you something. If you want to remain in that situation for the rest of your life, then you go about doing that. But if you want to be rescued out of that situation, humble yourself before God, and repent and get right with him, so that he can save you. He's given us the power to do that. He's given us the choice to do that. He wants to save us. He wants to rescue us. But it's up to us to make that decision whether we're going to humble ourselves to him or not. We have to make the decision ourselves and say, Lord, forgive me. I messed up. I made a mistake. I began to drift away from you because I allowed NBC and I allowed CNN and I allowed Fox News and I allowed all these uh, ABC News and all these news channels to fill my head with stuff rather than going to you and your word and seeking your face on my own and going to church and be around brothers and sisters in Christ and listen to what the pastors are preaching and teaching. Instead of doing that, I allow myself to be the other. And Lord, I, I, I'm asking for forgiveness. Help me out of this situation. Just like the people of Israel who decided to do that, and he sends a prophet and an angel of God comes before Gideon. He tells him, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. I'm calling you to do this. This is what I'm calling you to do. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. Okay, so he is questioning. We all do that, right? But he has, to, he has the angel of God face to face, hearing an audible voice telling him, and he's still questioning God. Oh my goodness, dude, what's going on? Like you are so wrapped up in the current situation around you that you kind of hear what God's saying. You kind of see that he's right there with you. And so you question that God. You question what God's saying to you. And thank God he is a patient, loving God, slow to anger, and abiding in love. That's what he is. He's gracious. He's patient. He's loving. He's slow to anger. 
He said, all right, he goes, and here's what the Lord says to him. He answered, I will stay here until you return. And he said, well, forget you. You're not going to listen to what I'm telling you. I'm right here face to face. I'm telling you with my mouth. I'm saying this to you. Forget you. I'm going to go about and just do what I got to do. I'm going to find somebody else. Because you're not listening to me, Gideon. No. He said, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. And carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, Place the meat and unleavened bread on this rock and pour out the broth over it. He said, Put the bread, put the meat, and pour the broth all over it. And so he does that. He pours it on there. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of a staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all the broth. He puts the meat, he puts the bread, he said, put the broth, all, he, put, he poured the broth on top of the rock, all over the meat and bread, and the angel of the Lord touched it with the tip of his uh, staff, and all of a sudden the flame and flames came up and from the uh, consumed from the rock all that he brought. Not just the broth, but the whole thing. All of it. And this is what happens as a result of him doing that. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Gideon goes and says, I'm gonna, okay, is this really you? Then approve to me, this is really you. Stay right here, I'll be right back. He brings, his, he brings me, he brings this bread, he brings broth, he pours it on the stuff that after the angel tells him to do it, the angel put his staff on there and he consumes all of it and then disappears. Now let me tell you something, it takes a long time for him to cook the meat, to get the bread ready, to get the broth ready. All right, so the angel of the Lord waited there patiently for Gideon to get back. And he knew. But that's the angel of the Lord. He knew that Gideon was going to come back. He knew what Gideon was doing, but he was patiently waiting there for him to get back. I'm going to challenge you with this word right now. God is patiently waiting for you to get back into relationship with him. He is sitting there waiting for you to come back home and get right with him and surrender to him and follow the call of God in your life because he wants to use you for such a time as this. Everybody, mostly everybody has questions when it comes when it comes to their calling. Lord, what are you calling me to do? Here you have a man who has the angel of the Lord speak to him face to face and hears his voice, and he still questioned that calling, and yet the Lord is patient enough to wait on him for him to get back. And God's waiting for you to get back. But let me tell you something. Time is running out. We are in the last days. The signs of the end times are here, okay? Hear me. The times of the end times are here. Listen to what I'm telling you. The times of the end times are here, so you have to listen to God calling your life and respond now because we are close 
to the end times. The peace between Israel and the UAE, UAE, all the stuff around us has happened. Those are all part of prophecies being fulfilled, and we are closer to the end times than ever before. And now is the time that you need to respond in obedience to the call of God that He placed in your life, because He wants to use you in such a time as this, in the most craziest time in our life that we face for it as a nation. As a, as a global, um, not only a global pandemic, but a global destruction that's going on all around us and a global type of, of fear that's going on all over the world. He wants to use us to be a people of courage, to be a people of faith, so that we can make a difference in the world that we live in today. Are you going to step up to that? That's the question. And the title, I started the title with this, right? The enemies consumed or the enemy's oppression. The enemy has been oppressing them for the last seven years. And finally they humble themselves before the Lord and cry out to him. And he sent the prophet to tell them what? Why they ended up where they're at. And then he comes himself as the angel of the Lord appears before Gideon. He begins to start doing what he needs to do to rescue them out of the situation they were in. That they spent the last seven years stuck in that. And it took them that long to humble themselves before the Lord. Don't waste time. Get right with God now and respond to the call that he has given you. Respond in obedience. Verse 22 says this, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Wow. And when I read this, I said to myself, why is it that most people who saw God face to face in the Bible were afraid of dying. Where did that come from in Scripture that every single time somebody saw the face of God that they were going to die as a result of that? And I begin to research that. I begin to look for that. And I begin to see, okay, wait a minute. Um, we see this in, 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 in the Old Testament quite often, people seeing God face to face. But I want to break it down for you real quick with the time that I have left. Uh, what they mean by seeing the face of God. First, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 32, and I'm going to look at verse 30, where it says, Jacob named a place Penel, which means face of God, for he, he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Jacob said, was afraid of dying for seeing God face to face. But here's the thing, okay? I'll, 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 I'll reveal that in a minute. Then Moses has a situation in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. It says this in Moses. He said, inside a tent of meeting, the Lord speaks to Moses face to face as one speaks to a, a, a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind a tent of meeting. You see that the Lord shows himself face to face to Moses as one, as one meets a friend. Wait a minute. God showed himself face to face to Jacob, God told himself face to face to Moses, hold on, how come these people are not dying? But then we look at verses, thir uh, um, chapter 33 of Exodus, verses 18 to 23, it says this, it says, Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. He just saw God face to face, so wait a minute, it's not his glorious presence? Yes, he was able to see God face to face, but it wasn't God's fullness. <laughs> no. It was a pre-incarnate Christ. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And by the way, those were names that were given to them 
Those were Gentile names. Those were pagan names that were given to them. That was not their original names. Okay, they changed their name. They had nothing to do with God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, regardless of the fact, whatever you try to do to us, we're going to serve the Lord. And they got thrown into the fire furnace. And then a fourth person showed up. And Nebuchadnezzar says to himself, that looks like the Son of God. That looks like their God. And then the fourth person show up. That is a pre-incarnate Christ. He showed up again to Abraham and Sarah when he told them that they would have a child that time next year. So he reveals himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, and multiple times in the scripture. And so here they have Jacob and Moses say they saw God face to face. But remember, God comes in a human form, and we are, as Jesus Christ in the New Testament, he shows up in human form, and he's able to meet face to face with people because that is his, him in person. And yes, it's, the, it's God's glory revealed to us in a human being, but it's not the full glory of God, because none of us will see that until we enter heaven and see him face to face. Then the whole full glory of God will be revealed to us, and all we can do when we see him is holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And so that's where he got this idea. And boy, what are you talking about, Raphael? The Bible said that he saw him face to face. Now I'm going to read, we're going to read verses 18 to 23. It says this, and then I'm going to tell you, it's going to prove to you that it's not really the full presence of God. It was just a part of his presence that they were able to see. Moses responded, and show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call you out, I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you, for I will show you mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face. No one may see me and live. So boom, we pause right there. God himself said it. Nobody can see my full glory face to face and live. So that's the reason why Gideon himself was afraid that he saw God face to face and he was afraid that he would die. That's why uh, Jacob was afraid that he would die. That's why Moses said, I saw God face to face and yet I still live. And so because God says it himself, nobody can see my face uh, fully for they would not and live. Nobody can do that. So instead, the Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. So then Moses stands on his rock. And as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Oh, man. I would just love to have the God, God's hand just cover me. And when he does, oh, man, I sense the presence of God when he does it. Right? And he has. He covered me with his hand. So he's covering Moses with his hand so he could walk right by the crevice of the rock. Then verse 23 says, Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. Moses had that intimacy with God, and, and in reference that he saw God face to face, and he saw, yes, he saw a part of God that he can see and handle, but he did not see the full glory of God because he is not able to do that until he's with him in heaven, and neither one of us would be able to do that. Now, 1 Timothy 6.16 says this, that God, I'm trying to be very quick, but I love to teach. I may even continue teaching, and if you got to go, you got to go. You can listen to this later on. But I'm going to tell you this, in 1 Timothy uh, 6, chapter 6, verse 16. 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6, verse 16, it says this, and I'm getting there. It says this, it says, He alone can never die, and he lives in light. 
so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever and ever. Amen. That's God. He's talking about the Lord God, Jesus Christ, and his glory. Okay? Cannot see him and live, but all of his fullness is there. And so we won't be able to see him until we are in heaven worshiping him and when we get to see the whole glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, it says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, it says right here. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. The time will come when we do. And Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, and back in that time, they had their mirrors in a wooden type of frame, okay? They had a mirror in like a, a kind of a wooden frame, um, not really like the way we have it here, like this kind of mirror, okay? It was different from the type of mirror that they had, and it had very little uh, reflection because it wasn't a clear picture. It's not like the ones we have now. Back then, it was like some kind of a wood around it and it was very dark and it had a very they had a, um, a very dim reflection and he was saying right now we have a dim reflection but the time will come when we get right when we see him face to face we will have a full reflection of God's glory but we say well what are you talking about we are made in the image of God and when we see our reflection we can see us being made in the image of God especially those who are serving him following him living for him we can see part of God's in us Okay, but we have a reflection, but when we get to see him, spend time with him, and face him in heaven, in glory, we get to see the full image of God. We get to see his whole entire glory in that time. First of John 1, 8, it says this in John 1, 8, in the Gospels. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell us about the light. So John the Baptist was not the light. He was a witness to tell us about the light. And John 6, 46, it says this. And so he was this witness. Jesus uh, was preparing, was coming. And John was telling him about the light. Okay, but the people got to see Christ come in person. Those who were there at, at that time got to see him face to face, but they didn't get to see his fullness. Not anyone has ever seen, not, ever, that, not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I, who was sent from him, have seen him. So no human being has ever seen the Father face to face except for Jesus Christ when he came down as the Son of God because he is God. <laughs> he is the invisible image of God. And so when people who were alive back then, they got to see God, they got to see part of his glory, but when we get to heaven, we're going to see his full entire glory. I want to end with this verse for this New Testament. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So what are you talking about, Rashbiel? It says right there, if I'm pure in heart, I should be able to see God. Yes, you will have an intimate, personal relationship with him, and he can reveal himself to you like he did to Jacob, Moses, and like he did to uh, Gideon when they have a relationship or when they humble themselves or when they cry out before the God, when they ask him for help, he will show up in, in, in front of you. But that's not going to be his full glory because we're not able to see that until we enter heaven and seek him face, when we see him face to face. And all we can say again is holy, holy, holy. But he does reveal himself in many ways to us. And I love what it says in verse 23. It is all right. He told Gideon, it's all right. The Lord replied, don't be afraid. 
You will not die, and Gideon built the, an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of advisor to this day. Gideon was afraid because he saw what he believed. He saw God face to face. And God said to him, the angel of the Lord said, don't worry about it, Gideon. You are right. Don't be afraid. You will not die. And out of obedience, out of response, out of humbleness, out of gratefulness, he built his altar to the Lord and names it Jehovah Shalom, Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord of peace. The altar was his gift to God. The altar, we look at an altar, we're going to call this the altar, right? In our modern day church, this is the altar, right? Whenever the pastor calls you to the altar, you come to the altar to get prayed for, right? And so he's there, he built his altar and calls it Yahweh peace because now he believes that he has come to give peace to Israel through Gideon. And he says right here, I'm going to build this altar out of a gift to you, out of a, a, a part of worship to you, as an offering of praise, as an offering of sacrifice, in response to my obedience to the call that you gave me, I'm going to respond to that obedience, and I'm going to build this altar here and call it God of peace, Yahweh peace, Yahweh shalom, Jehovah shalom. I'm going to call this God of peace because I'm going to be reminded every single time this is what the Lord showed up. And I told you, remember the times that God has showed up in your life. Remember the times when he came in that situation, that difficult situation in your life, and when he showed up, remember that. And that's what Gideon did. He built the altar to remember the day that God came to him face to face, when he revealed part of his glory to him, and called him to be that warrior that he is, to be that mighty warrior, and to go in the strength that he has, and that he would be with him. He built that altar there because he was able to survive with the presence of God and he was worried about that, and the Lord brought him peace in that because he said, don't worry about it, you're not going to die, I, and, and, and I'm with you. And he says in response to that, I'm going to build this altar, and I'm going to serve Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. The altar there is to remind him of the time God showed up in his life. And the altar in your life is the day that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, when you had all that baggage, when you had all that situation, when you had all that turmoil, when you had all that battle that you were going through, and when you came to the altar and surrendered to the, surrender to the Lord and asked Him for forgiveness, and to, get, to forgive you for your sinful life and ask Him into your heart and transform you, that altar should be a reminder when you surrender your life to Him. And when He showed up in a situation in your life. Go back to where He showed up in your life. When I was a kid, I was probably about five, maybe, maybe no, three years old. I was three, two or three years old. I had a situation happen to me. I began to convulse. I began to my eyes began to roll in the back of my head. I began to shake and my and, and it's uncontrollably. And I remember my mom told me a story. My my brothers. I've said the story before. My, my brother starts panicking. He opens up the window. He screams out, help, help, somebody help. My brother's going to die. And this is before my parents were even believers. But they, they had some kind of, they had a, an encounter with God. They had this, uh, this, this, his, they had this uh, face-to-face type of situation with God. They were still wondering what was going on. And they had this encounter with him. And they were, so they were searching. They were seeking. And, and this situation happened. And my brother opened up his window. He's crying out, help, somebody help, somebody help. My brother's going to die. And all he could do was pray. And then... I was able to come out of that. 
And I don't, I, honestly, I never even asked the rest of the story. I, I stay at the part where God just showed up and touched me, and I'm still alive to this day. I'm 40 years old, I'm still alive to this day. I never really asked the details of what happened, whether they took me to the hospital, I believe they did. And, but the Lord showed up and rescued me, and I could go back to that place where we live in my mind. I can go back to that time I was only two years old or three years old, so I don't remember that. But the fact that my parents told me that story, now I know and I heard. I heard what God has done. When I need God to show up in my life in the most desperate time of my life, when I was innocent and I couldn't even cry out for myself because I couldn't really speak at the time, and I, I didn't have a relationship with God at the time, I didn't know who he was, and, and people had to intercede on my behalf, but when, I was going, when I'm going through a situation, I could go back and think about, look what the Lord has done, he showed up in my life, and I'm alive today. That's one of the altars that I can look back to. Praise God. Or the time that I was in the car with several other, other football players, and we were driving, and all of a sudden, we, you know, I don't know, if it was, I don't remember if it was raining, or we were driving too fast, and we took a turn, and all of a sudden, the car, the car, the car just began to spin around and spin around, and oncoming traffic coming at us, and we nothing happened to any of us because we didn't get hit by a car. We were able to get back from stopping from spinning and get back on track and keep on driving, and nothing happened. In the opposite direction, in the opposite lane, God showed up. We could have got a head-on collision, and God did not allow it to happen. He rescued us instead. That's a reminder of what God has done in my life. <laughs> Go back to the time when God has done something special in your life, and I guarantee you, you will be reminded that He is Jehovah Shalom. He is Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace change your life. We can turn this situation around for his glory. So Father, we come before you today, Lord, tonight, this morning, this afternoon. We pray right now in Jesus' name that you will speak to our hearts and our minds. Help us to rise up, Lord God. Help us to trust in you and lean not on our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge you that you will make our path straight. And Father, I pray right now that you will just begin to show yourself, reveal yourself to us, Lord God. Help us to respond in obedience to the call that you place in our life so that we can make a difference in this world. May we not listen to the world around us, but may we listen to your word. May we gather together and worship. May we seek your face like we're supposed to, Lord God. May we be hungry and thirsty for you, hungry for your word. And as you begin to reveal yourself more and more to us, Lord God, help us to step out in courage and faith believing that you are who you are and you're going to show up. Just like you show up in the life of Gideon, just like you show up in the people of Israel, Lord. And we know the rest of the story, Lord God, that Gideon went down to an army of 300 and they had victory over the thousands of thousands of people they were fighting against the Midianites, and you showed up, and they had victory there. It all started when they humbled themselves before you. When they cried out to you for help, it all started there. May we cry out to you for help during this global pandemic, during this civil, civil unrest, and this political agendas, and all this craziness that's happening in the United States, just in the United States, and other countries around the world. May we cry out to you in humility and say, God, rescue us. Be Yahweh Shalom in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you have yet to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I accept you as Lord and Savior in my life. Today, I surrender my all to you and ask you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
God bless you guys. I enjoyed this time together with you. Thank you for joining me here on Hungry for God's Word and Restore 2020 podcast. God bless you guys. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on the podcast or share it with somebody by taking a photo and send it by text message or share it with the link below and they'll be able to click on it and enjoy the message as well. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time.